Well, the reading is from John's Gospel at chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Hi, my name is Mark. I'm the worship director here. And it's so good to be here together at the seven o'clock service. And uh, we're going to explore something in in just a moment to help us um, introduce our sermon. I went to see a little movie that you can see playing. Um, It's called A Quiet Place. And um, I wonder, is it possible to to take that clip from the start and uh, see if we can get the full effect of it? Here we go. Wonderful. Welcome to church. It's so good to see you. (laughs) You know what? We were talking about managing fear this week. And uh, just for the benefit of what the message might do tonight, I thought I'm going to go and experience some fear myself. 
just, just for our learning together. So you could see 30 seconds there, and already we're a little bit uncomfortable. Something's firing off in our head. This is a little bit strange. And uh, I, I'm not great when it comes to jumpy moments in the cinema. I tend to um, spill my popcorn over whoever's around me. And if I've got a cup in my hand, that can get crushed pretty quick. And uh, I, by nature, admittedly, I'm a bit of a jumpy person. At age 14, I found myself in a washing basket when some friends had decided to surprise me in my house. And I just don't really do jumps very well. Um, I, li- I think I, I have a like 30 second fallout with someone if they push me from behind and I just can't really do it. Um, fear is something that might show up in really random ways in our life. It might be something um, that seems a little odd. So, you know, I used to have a couple of odd fears as a kid. Uh, there's a bridge coming up. This is the Keswick Bridge in Inverness, and um, I used to be terrified of the Keswick Bridge until I was told that its name was Barney, and Barney Bridge would be sad if we didn't cross over Barney Bridge, and so (laughs) thus I was healed. (laughs) Another fear I had, and um, I don't know if anyone else in the room has this, and if this fires off something in you, then we can pray, but this is the next one. This is... uh, the toy shop, the Jolly Giant. I don't know if anyone remembers the Jolly Giant. You would walk into this toy shop and be met with like a 20-foot animatronic monster thing. And um, it, was, it was unpleasant. I had a fear of the Jolly Giant until he gave me a tractor one day, and that was very cool. So I'm used to overcoming fears. 2015 was a significant year for me in many ways. But maybe, maybe it's more of a, maybe our fears are a little bit more permeating. I used to have a fear of silence. And I would go up to groups of people who weren't talking, and I would say, hi, are, are you guys okay? And they would go, yes, we're fine. Go, have you guys fallen out? And I just couldn't do silence. Maybe we have all kinds of other fears. Uh, Ash Kimber our uh, wonderful worship leader, bass player extraordinaire, uh, someone who many people have a sort of 10-year man crush on. Um, Ash had a fear of the book of Isaiah because as a studious, devoted young uh, Christian, he was reading the book of Isaiah and then saw a spider in the book, at which point he slapped shut the book and therefore has this giant, maybe dead, maybe no spider in the book of Isaiah. So fear has a really curious way of getting around us. Maybe it's a little bit more deeper. Some people, it's like a, it's like a radar. It's just always on. I heard a story of a woman who goes onto flights, and she says, I'd like to see your first aid kit, please. And she goes in, and she will literally go through each item on the first aid kit to ensure that everything is in its proper place in case an incident happens on a plane. Maybe it's uh, that you love to sit on the end row in church uh, just so in case there's a fire, you know you're getting out the door first. We just want to maybe just give a wave to the people on the end of the row, commend them, know that if you're in the middle, they are going to trample you. But fear, it heightens all our senses, doesn't it? It increases blood flow. It, It 
prepares us for different reactions. It can be very useful in our lives. We've got a bit in our brain, which um, our new friend of the week brought to you by the letter A for amygdala. And that's a part in our brain that fires off. It's like a threat detection system. And it fires off whenever it senses something going on. Very, very, very useful for living in Scotland maybe 500 years ago, 200 years ago. Back in those days, uh, wolves would be a significant part. We've got some threatening looking wolves here. <laughs> wolves would be a huge part of what happened in Scotland. And apparently my Cameron clan cleared a lot of them out, so apologies. Um, but it's very useful to have a fear detection system when you live in a culture with wolves. Also very useful when Clan McDonald next door are stealing your sheep. Any Clan McDonalds here? Hey, great, okay. I'm going to keep an eye on my car. <laughs> so, really useful. Useful in um, a pre-repellent midgy society that we have in Scotland. That we need to detect fear. But perhaps fear just, rather than becoming a useful friend and a detection system, maybe now it got promoted and it became the boss or became the manager. It started to write your life. It became the author. How does fear show up for us in different ways? Maybe we have a fear not of being um, lower or afraid of something. Maybe it's we fear our potential. Marianne Williamson shares this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant or gorgeous or talented or fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. You're playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. This sense of fear that we have, this radar going on, it's not, it's not for real stuff. It's an emotion. It's a reaction. It's in our brains and it can be really useful. Sometimes it kicks in and we all have different ways of doing it in our personalities. Sometimes fear kicks in and it's fight. Okay, everyone's going to say fight, fight. Excellent. Okay, uh, the further west we go in the church, we're just going to see how that felt. David Shanks from Salt Coats, that might not have been particularly threatening for there. So say fight. fight. All right, okay. Uh, the other one is just that we freeze and we lock down. We fight, we freeze. And the last one is just literally flight. We're out. Fear takes over so many ways. Fear can command us. Fear can take over the place that we're in. And this passage tonight has some disciples who were ready for a fight, who'd frozen, and who were ready to flee. We're in Jerusalem. It's the Sunday following Jesus' death. It's the third day of action. <clears throat> the stories are going around. Jesus has been resurrected. A group have seen him and they're reporting back 
The body's gone. He's not in the tomb anymore. He's alive. But for these disciples, they got to gather and they huddled behind doors and it was the first real gathering of the church with the resurrected Christ. But it didn't start with a cup of tea and a welcome, and someone shaking your hand at the door. You can see the new person coming in. Hi, I'm new to the city. I'm here to study. I'm just church hopping at the moment. And I tried here, I tried there. And I just love to bang, shut, locked out. There's no openness to this. And so we, let's grab uh, the passage in front of us. And uh, we, we just want to go through these scriptures. And let's see what is fear doing? What is happening in the people here? It's saying on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, we see in that Jesus has risen, but the disciples are in total fear. Can you imagine the conversation happening behind those closed doors? Imagine them gathered there, locked in, worried that it's about to be kicked down and they're going to follow Jesus' fate. You can hear the conversation. Oh, it wasn't me. Where's the body? It wasn't me. Oh, they're coming for us. Peter, get your sword out again, man. You swiped that guy's ear off last time. It was disgusting, but we need you to fight for us, Peter. Seriously. Nah, man, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Okay, right. Where's Judas? Why isn't Judas around? He's taken all the money. We have nothing. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Where's Thomas? Classic Thomas. He's not here. I bet he stole the body. Who stole the body? They're terrified. And right in the middle of this, Jesus appears. And he simply says, peace be with you. Amazing first words. The last thing they heard him say, it is finished in anguish and agony. And the next words he speaks, peace be with you. Jesus steps into the middle of fear, into their locked up doors, and speaks peace. Are you open to that tonight? Are you ready for that? The very place that we lock down in fear, Jesus just appears in. He didn't kind of rattle the door or sneak through. I'm pretty sure they were watching the door. Jesus is real. It's not fake. He is alive. He's on the move. It continues. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He's setting up a mission. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He's empowering them. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. He's giving them a plan, a pattern. And then we skip forward a week here. And Thomas enters the picture. Good old Thomas, doubting Thomas. Here's a man who got a really bad rap in history. If you were to sit with Thomas in that moment and say, look, mate, the way this is going to go down is in about 2,000 years, everyone in the world will type the word doubt and your name comes up next to it. You, you are getting pasted with this properly. Thomas appears. And he says, so that we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. The doubting Thomas. 
But there's something about Thomas I think we got really wrong. Because this isn't doubt. This is active unbelief. This is someone who is not signing up. This is not someone who's doubting. This is someone who's rejecting it completely. And we've got to be really careful that we don't just throw Thomas under the bus with all our doubts as well. There's a very big difference between experiencing doubt in the faith that we hold to be something that we can claim or something that makes a difference in us and have questions over it than Thomas, who was struggling with this deeply. And Jesus enters again. Thomas with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. When Jesus said stop doubting there, it was this word apistos, meaning stop, being, uh, stop seeing this as incredulous, as without God. It wasn't don't be unsure about this. He was affirming something great. He's doing his new favorite trick. He's appearing in the room again, loving that reaction he gets. And Thomas's reaction is incredible. He's moved to a new place. My Lord and my God. He's worshiping. He's acknowledging. He's caught up in the beauty of what Jesus has done for him. Up until that point, Jesus had appeared the first week, and the disciples were commissioned, they were breathed on the Holy Spirit. Great moment there, wow, they were overjoyed. But a week later, they're still behind locked doors, they're still cowering, they're still fearing for their lives. But then, we know them now to have started a movement called the Church of Jesus Christ through Jesus. And that movement which they kicked off then, we're kind of just doing the same thing again here tonight. We're part of that same moment. So something has happened in them that moved them from locked behind doors to saving, you know, taking over the world. They went big. And there's something in the way that they responded with peace be with you towards their fear that brought change and that matters to us tonight. You see, in the world just now, fear is getting a little bit of airtime in different spaces. We talk about the politics of fear. Well, do we get to be a voice in that? If there's a politics of fear going about, what if we get to be the church of hope rewriting that story in the midst of what people call it's global anxiety? Well, is there anything bigger than global anxiety? Is there a kingdom of peace that knows no bounds within each of us? In the midst of every day, new fears being realized in our finances or our city or our families. Do we get to run towards new life or new hope? Do we have peace be with you as a voice in our lives? And I just wonder tonight, if, if we were to start a conversation with the things that we fear, that started with the voice of Jesus saying, peace be with you, what conversation could we have with what we fear? What if we started to pay attention to what we're paying attention to? 
What if the very things that start to give us fear or give us uncertainty, what if we just pay attention to that and see what that might mean? Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Writer James Stevens says, curiosity will conquer fear even more than bravery will. These disciples had the opportunity to face fear in the presence of peace be with you. And it changed something within them. One of the ways that, that we might do this is we, we engage the fear that we have. It's really easy in the church to say, fear be gone. There's no room for fear in this house. This is the church of God. Fear stays at the door. Come in here, but don't bring your fears. Let's be real, eh? Fear shows up wherever. If there's a thing in our heads that's scanning for it all the time, it's going to show up. So where does peace be with you get to have a conversation with our fear? Perhaps we might ask fear, what, what do you want? What are you trying to help us out with? The disciples, why was there fear there? They're trying to stay alive. With Thomas, you know, what does his fear about Jesus say? He says that he doesn't want to die for someone who isn't real. Jesus doesn't condemn that. In fact, he goes straight to it and he says, okay, touch them. Thomas had an encounter. And what if fear became a friend and wasn't the manager, it wasn't the boss? It's just a useful friend. And fear didn't have to rule the day. Fear didn't write your story. It didn't write your life. But it just became something that peace be with you got to have a conversation with. Just as we uh, begin to close, we've got Rachel Moody here with us. Hey, great. All right, can we welcome Rachel up? She's going to help us with a really cool way this happens. So I'm going to get the, the worship team up as well. Hey, mate. Hey, pal. All right. So um, when I was thinking about this, I wanted a real like, good example of someone who, probably more courageously than I, admittedly, had done a bit of like, facing down some fear and had a kind of look at it. And uh, so Rachel is a ministry assistant here. We work together on all the worship stuff. And um, sometimes fear is something that we need to overcome quite regularly. And uh, we had a conversation before Christmas around how do we, you know, do some, some work with fear. So we had a bit of a chat and, you know, there's some great opportunities coming up. And we had, uh, we started to work out, well, what is the fear? And uh, did it have a name? Could we work it out? So wh where was fear showing up? So this is a very abstract thought, but it works for me. So I hope it works for you as well. Um, we found that whenever I was scared of something, so basically I was like offered this opportunity and was a bit like, ah. I find that I always do this thing where I go like, Ooh, like the boat. Uh, What's it called? The boat. The boat. <laughs> the dry boat, if you're for a full name. And uh, Mark actually named it. I was like, oh my goodness, I do that? Like, why do I do that? Um, so we kind of unpacked, like, why I get the book. And I'm like, well, I think it's my way of laughing off, like, the crippling anxiety and fear that I get from, like, this opportunity that I could do, but I don't think I'm good enough to do. So I'm working on that. Um, and it's, it's good, all yeah, right? I... That's great. So um, what was it? So there was something about looking at it, not as this sort of damning reaction, but actually as it's something that seemed to be quite useful at times in life. What, what had it helped you with? 
Well, I think um, it helped me realise that instead of me feeling like I'm unable to do something, this fear was protecting me from slipping up or from making mistakes or, you know, like that irrational stuff that you feel. Um, and it helped me kind of rationalise like all the things that I was like, oh, I couldn't possibly do that because I don't have the skills or I don't have the experience yet or I don't know how to do that. You know, it helped. It kind of was there to protect me, to like keep me away. But then what you said, that fear is your friend, and I was like, what are you on about, mate? But then you think about it, it's like, I just thought of this, like from, um, oh, Finding Nemo, like fear is friend. <laughs> I'm going to say not food, but that makes it weird. Eh? But yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So I, I just want to give such a tangible example of actually... There might be things, might be ways of thinking in your life that feel crippling, that feel fearful. And the question tonight is, what if they stop, what if they get a little demotion tonight and they go from being the manager, the boss, the thing that runs the show, to just being something in our life that we can have a conversation with and see what happens when peace be with you comes into that. So thanks, Rachel. It's great. Um, the team are going to just begin to lead us in worship. I wonder if we might stand for a moment to pray. And uh, as, as we do this, we're going to sing and worship, we're going to receive communion. And to start, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. In that same way that Jesus said, um, receive the Holy Spirit, and peace came on people. This is the real way of doing it. This isn't a sort of, um, just an exercise. There's something about actually engaging with this, whoever you are, wherever life is right now, to take the fear you might be experiencing, to hear Jesus say to you, Peace be with you.